Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. Hi, I'm Alan Montecilio, in for Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. In June, San Francisco voters recalled Chase Boudin from the office of district attorney. In his place, Mayor London Breed appointed Brooke Jenkins, who once worked in the DA's office herself and later became a spokesperson for the recall effort. We have, I think, an extraordinary woman who will take the helm of the DA's office, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Brooke Jenkins. Now voters will be weighing in again in the November election. And the results of this DA's race could tell us what kind of law enforcement approach San Franciscans want. Today, the race for district attorney in San Francisco. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. The district attorney is the chief prosecutor in San Francisco. Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez is a politics reporter for KQED. Uh, if the city attorney is in charge of civil crime, um, the the district attorney is charging offenders like, you know, who might be violent offenders, who might be uh, people who are drug dealing. The basics of it is, of course, police catch an alleged criminal. Uh, the district attorney prosecutes that criminal. 
Uh, but they also set charging policy. They're in charge of uh, different commissions that are in the city that deal with uh, sentencing and even innocence, even uh, finding out uh, evidence that exonerates people who were wrongly convicted. So anything around crime, criminal charges, they are the chief prosecutor. What do you think the DA represents in the minds of San Francisco voters? Well, you know, it's so funny. If you had asked me that a few years ago, I would have said most people would get what they know about a DA from law and order. But because of the high-profile recall of District Attorney Chesa Boudin, I think more and more people have become at least glancingly familiar with the role of the district attorney in making charging decisions around crime in San Francisco. What do you think voters care about right now, and how does that translate into the DA race? What we've seen from a recent poll from the San Francisco Standard and at least from the recent rhetoric around uh, several uh, political races is an increasing appetite in San Francisco for tougher prosecutions, steeper sentences, uh, and that may fly in the face of what some experts say will actually lead to more safety in the long run. But right now we have a electorate that is feeling scared. So, Joe, we have this DA race. We're going to talk about three of the candidates who all sat down with you at KQED for one-on-one interviews. So let's get into the candidates. And I think we should start with the current appointed district attorney, Brooke Jenkins. Brooke Jenkins comes into office. This is around the summertime. What have her first few months as DA been like? It really depends on what perspective you're looking at it from, right? If you're looking at Brooke Jenkins' career as a DA so far, from the progressive left standpoint, from someone who wants criminal justice system to be reformed, you're looking at Jenkins and it looks like someone's taken us back to the 1980s, a war on drugs. The policies are, are harsher and, you know, to some it's like just shocking, jaw-dropping. But to the sector of San Francisco that has felt the sting of crime very keenly and is hoping for any answer to it, they are pretty dang happy. What do you think Jenkins most important area of focus has been. The thing that she points to as an example of what kind of DA she is and could continue to be. Oh, without a doubt, it's um, fentanyl dealers and fentanyl use in the tenderloin and rampant open drug use. It is costing us human lives. um, And the only way to save them is to intervene. I would say that was something that is the lightning rod of her administration right now. This is where she's pushing policy um, the fastest and where people are critiquing her the harshest. Tell me a little bit more about those policies. What what is different now under DA Brooke Jenkins when it comes specifically to the problem of fentanyl? One of the first things she did in office was withdraw plea deals for drug uh, dealers that Chesa Boudin had offered. I think it was about 30 or so. And she has asked her office to you know, stem back on offering plea deals for drug dealers. She's definitely going after drug dealers more harshly. Essentially meaning attempting to to file more aggressive charges or harsher charges on drug dealers. By comparison to Chesa, yes, like he would offer diversion for some drug dealers, diversion court, and find alternatives to jailing. DA Jenkins has definitely said that there's an end to that in her administration. She's also offering a bit of a carrot and a stick system for drug users. 
police have begun citing individuals for public drug use. You know, we cannot be a city that accepts people um, using drugs openly on our streets. If you are a drug user and you have been cited five times for drug use, then she's going to bundle those together and say, look, take this drug diversion program, this health-focused way of helping you kick your addiction, or else we're going to use these five bundled citations and hit you with a bigger stick of charges. From a certain viewpoint, you could say Jenkins is actually following the lessons of the war on drugs and focusing on health and public health solutions for drug users. But from a different perspective, um, you could certainly say that um, people don't always accept that help. They're not always ready at the time to accept that help. And that by offering steeper charges, she may be worsening um, the drug problem. What about other policies? Are are there other um, important ones that come to mind when we think about Jenkins' brief tenure as DA so far? Uh, She said that she would charge some minors as adults. She described this as a need for when crimes shock the conscience. As a prosecutor, you can never predict the egregious level of some future crime that somebody may commit. We have to leave available the option that there may be a 16 or a 17 year old who commits a heinous type of crime, right, that shocks the conscience of the community to to the point that uh, it may not be appropriate to keep them in our juvenile system. And some folks in the criminal justice community and in the juvenile justice community are were quite critical of that move. And that is in contrast to Boudin, who charged minors as minors, right? Yeah, blanket all minors as minors. And it should be said that that doesn't mean that minors don't face prison time. The whole reason that they're charged as minors is to keep them out of the adult justice system. You want to be able to give teenagers and youth a chance to be able to rehabilitate. And the best way to do that is to do that around other youth. What about cash bail? I know that's a big topic of conversation. So we don't have cash bail anymore. That ended under Chase Boudin. Mm-hmm. Now under Brooke Jenkins, cash bail has not been brought back wholesale. But but she has asked for some discretion in being able to use it in some extreme circumstances for especially violent criminals to make sure that they weren't back on the streets. In a system that where you do not exercise the option of cash bail, there still has to be a mechanism for which we... Um, keep people in custody pre-trial who demonstrate that they are a significant or substantial public safety risk. We don't just release them back out onto the street. That is why you have seen me announce that in certain cases of people, egregious cases of people um, selling fentanyl and or being in possessions of fentanyl and weapons or repeated sellers of fentanyl, that uh, in appropriate cases where we think uh, it's it's too egregious and this person is is a public safety risk that we are filing motions to detain these defendants in custody pretrial. What about hate crimes and specifically the fear of violent attacks against Asians in San Francisco, which we've talked to you about in the past sure. and was a big part of the, the successful campaign to recall uh, Chase Boudin. Where has Brooke Jenkins been on that? The Asian community was a... Uh, or at least a sector of San Francisco's Asian community, was a big backer of recalling Chase Boudin, particularly because they felt he wasn't doing enough to prosecute hate crimes. And so the hope was that District Attorney Jenkins would show a sea change uh, in the opposite direction. I don't think we've seen that. And, And I think this speaks to the complexity of prosecuting hate crimes. It's very difficult to charge hate crimes. You have to prove intent 
which is a bar you don't have to clear from any other crimes. You just have to prove that something was done. But perhaps if I were making the argument for her, I would say that her policies around other types of crime are meant to curtail that violence. Uh, it's not just about the hate crime prosecutions. When it comes to policing, Jenkins says that she doesn't believe police are, quote, anti-progressive. She also supports efforts to expand police access to private surveillance footage. Now, as the DA, Jenkins, or whoever else is in that office, also has the authority to prosecute police officers when they are accused of misconduct. And when it comes to police accountability, Jenkins says she will hold officers accountable when they break the law. But her office has delayed the police misconduct cases that were already ongoing. On Thursday, the families of Keita O'Neill, Sean Moore, and Luis Gongora Pat, who were shot and killed by police on three separate occasions, held a press conference in San Francisco and demanded that Jenkins prosecute the officers. But for now, these police misconduct cases are on hold. Do you think it's fair to say there's been a tonal shift as well in terms of just talking about tougher enforcement and and preventing crime, keeping people safe, things like that? Oh, absolutely. I think if you had to point to the biggest flip in things, it would be the tonal shift. And she says that repeatedly, Um, even in the interview with me. She told me that, you know, probably the most important thing was sending a signal to criminals. Because what we want to have happen is instead of people dealing drugs, getting arrested and getting right back out and calling their five friends to say, hey, guess what? I got arrested in San Francisco. They let me right back out with no consequence. Come on, you should come here instead of selling it where you are. I want the phone calls to be, holy crap, I got arrested in San Francisco. I'm actually in real trouble now. Whatever you do, don't come to San Francisco to sell drugs. Or if you are selling it here, right, or doing whatever you're doing here, you should probably go do it somewhere else or stop. That's what I want. And it takes some time for that message to spread that there's a new, quote unquote, sheriff in town. That's been her biggest argument the whole time. Not any one of these individual policies, but the blanket argument by making a chill effect, by not making it look like, I think her argument, her words were San Francisco is open for business, that um, you will have an effect on stemming some crime. Let's move on to John Hamasaki, uh, who is also running for district attorney. Tell me a little bit about his background. So John Hamasaki uh, is an attorney who served on San Francisco's uh, police commission. So the police commission is an oversight body that sets policy for the police in San Francisco. John Hamasaki sat on that commission and played a key role with law enforcement in setting policy. During those four years, I covered a number of very important policies for San Francisco, including um, improving our response to domestic violence incidents, as well as interactions with the deaf and hard of hearing and interactions with the LGBTQ, transgender and gender diverse individuals, Um, all of them very forward leaning thinking policies. John Hamasaki was definitely one of the left members of that police commission. He was known as a bit of a firebrand. He, you know, held the police's feet to the fire. He 
definitely sounds off on the need for police reform, on the need for more progressive policies. We have all of these problems, you know, drug use and abuse being one of them, that ultimately aren't criminal justice problems. But we've handed them off to the criminal justice system and policing and say, here, we don't want this problem. You take care of it. Uh, That doesn't work. So what is Hamasaki's central argument about why he should be the district attorney of San Francisco? So this is interesting because D.A. Jenkins is the only person running with criminal prosecution experience. And when kind of pushed on that, Hamasaki will tell you, you know, a DA isn't necessarily a line prosecutor. They're a leader of a of a unit. San Francisco needs an independent district attorney right now. I think we've had as a city too much of the mismanagement and corruption that has led to the conditions on our streets. And what he will argue is that even beyond just the policy, what you need is someone who's a strong leader with that kind of experience. And Hamasaki will tout his experience in uh, Asian American attorneys groups, in groups protecting civil liberties uh, related to his work as an attorney. And he will tout all that as leadership experience and being able to marshal uh, staff and people towards a singular goal. You still have to support your troops. You still have to reassure them and let them know you have their back, that you're going to be the leader of the office. And... You know, the other thing that I think has been unfortunate is the real concern that the mayor is running the office. What are the important policy differences with Brooke Jenkins, you would say? I'll tell you, one consistent thing with Hamasaki is that he doesn't necessarily put forward his own policies. And when asked directly about his policies, he doesn't necessarily have a lot. (laughs) Well, he will tell you that he is developing policies uh, internally right now and that they take time. But what he will do is critique Jenkins policies. You know, as far as um, the interim DA. Prosecutions of uh, drug users. Hasn't really addressed the underlying issues. He will critique the return to war on drug rhetoric. You know, we have 50 years of experience with the drug war that has done nothing to help drug users. Her approach towards juveniles, he's even he's even pushed for those prosecutions of law enforcement officers to happen sooner rather than later. Now, I've, you know, spoken to victims of police violence about this. You know, people don't feel safe if you're saying that police can get away with crime. Um, that doesn't that's not encouraging for the people of San Francisco. He is very much on the attack when it comes to D.A. Jenkins policies that push a, a harsher line. Is it fair to say his critiques are coming from the more progressive oh, absolutely. angle, for sure? It's very fair to say that his critiques are from a more progressive angle, coming from uh, a couch of where D.A. Boudin's policies are. And I think if you want a general kind of blanket understanding of where his policies are coming from, you could look at the policies of D.A. Chesa Boudin in the past. If you're someone who supported D.A. Chesa Boudin or were against Boudin's recall, Hamasaki is definitely your candidate. And finally, let's get to Joe Alioto Veronese. Um, tell me a bit about his background. Joe Alioto Veronese is a civil rights attorney. He is the grandson of former mayor Joe Alioto and the son of Angela Alioto, a, a noted and storied San Francisco supervisor and a former mayoral candidate. 
We need to make sure people are not being sent to San Francisco. We have limited resources. This is a statewide, a nationwide problem. Homelessness, addiction, mental health. We cannot accept everybody's problems. Alioto Veronese does somewhat often come up in interviews as a former police officer. He is, but not quite. He's a former police reserve officer, which is essentially a volunteer police officer. They are still sworn. They go through hundreds of hours of training. They're armed. The majority of them, uh, not all, but the majority of them are used to essentially like supplement parades and other things where you need a lot of bodies. Uh, But some of them do specialized enforcement and can do traditional law enforcement. He also uh, was on the police commission and the fire commission. So he has served the city in multiple capacities. So what is he running on? What are his policies? It's interesting because on the one hand, he'll say something that sounds like out of DHA Sabudin's playbook. I'm saying that she will support the police uh, in a way that I think is unethical. I think that she will not prosecute police officers that are bad cops. Bad cops get prosecuted in my administration. But then on the other, he'll sound so far to the right of D.A. Jenkins, you'll wonder if he transported magically from the 1950s. What do you mean? What's, give me an example. <laughs> he told me, he sat across the studio uh, and told me that on his first day in office, he will arrest every single drug dealer in the Tenderloin. We have fentanyl dealing and drug dealing in San Francisco that will stop in my administration. On day one, I will go out and arrest the fentanyl dealers throughout this city, and we will bring them to justice. We were talking about anti-Asian hate, and he tells me that, in his mind, we have a problem of thugs coming from the East Bay to attack Asian seniors. The Asian community wasn't happy with Chase Boudin, but you know what? They're not happy with interim uh, district attorney uh, Jenkins either, because she's not charging hate crimes. She's not sending the signal to these young thugs that are coming from the East Bay that we're not going to tolerate this in San Francisco. She has not charged hate crimes there. Thugs being a quite often quoted thinly veiled term to refer to young black men in a racist way. He, in some breaths, wants an even harsher law and order stance than Jenkins. Uh, But then in the other, he'll talk about prosecuting police officers and decry Jenkins for stalling her prosecution of police officers accused of misconduct and say that if he were in office, he would move forward with those cases today. What do you think the results, whatever they are, will say about where the city of San Francisco is at right now? Yeah, I think that really is the question. When we see who the winner is, the margin certainly can reveal how the city is reacting to crime. And I think what we may be seeing is a national trend of uh, an effort to stoke fear of crime. And what we will see is how effective that has been. And that, I think, has implications far beyond San Francisco. We're talking about San Francisco and San Francisco's DA's race right now. But what we really are looking at is a national trend of uh, more conservative folks uh, trying to show Democrats being weak on crime and that messaging intermingling with local policies across the country. And that has implications for Republicans and Democrats and everyday citizens uh, throughout the country for years to come. Even in San Francisco between Democrats. Even in San Francisco between Democrats. Absolutely.
And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on how the tone of this DA race and just the way we are talking about crime and the role of the DA, does it feel similar or different from other elections you've covered in the past? Oh, I think it feels a lot different. I think what's fascinating to me is that before we had more of a clash of ideals, right? There was a kind of a stronger progressive faction to push back. And the voices uh, of folks who are very angered by crime, who are afraid of crime, are growing. All those different folks, all seeking more safety um, and looking for it in these tougher on crime policies. Um, It's not vogue right now to talk about criminal justice reform uh, and the need for it. Any one crime gets reverberated all across the city in videos, on Nextdoor, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TV news, and it is stoking fear. And a lot of that is manifesting in our politics. We're seeing that in our politics. Joe, thanks so much for taking the time to talk about this. Thank you so much for having me. That was Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez, KQED politics reporter. You can read more about the San Francisco DA race at kqed.org slash voter guide. This hour-long conversation with Joe was cut and edited by Maria Esquinka. Christopher Beal added the music and the tape. The Bay is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our host is Erica Cruz Guevara. Our producer is Maria Esquinka. I am the senior editor. Our podcast engagement producer is Cesar Saldana. Jen Chien is our director of podcasts. And KQED's chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Alan Montecilio. Thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.